to your Loki podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. I know it all, and I've seen it all. The Loki podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode six, the season one finale for all time, always. It's brought to you by Kang Kinsuki. Glue those broken timelines together with gold. <laughs> Pete, certainly nice to know that this is only the season one finale. I know we've been saying for these past six weeks, if not earlier, that rumors were out there. I have to say, Pete, fair is fair. I since have found out those rumors were based on something that longtime listeners will be familiar with. Production Weekly, which is an insider periodical um, that occasionally has stuff on their website, not behind the paywall. They've been talking about Loki Season 2 since uh, last fall, um, which, again, I would not pin as 100%, but uh, we can say with 100% certainty today, as all viewers of Loki Episode 106 certainly know, that uh, season, two is, uh, season 2 is going to happen. Rumor is they're going to start filming in July, uh, pardon me, in January, so it could be next June or July when the show returns. Boy, is it nice to finally say with a Disney Plus uh marvel studio show that there's more coming um i mean certainly the possibility remains with falcon and the winter soldier but they've got the captain uh, america 4 movie but it's certainly uh good to know we're going to get more of this show speaking of loki matt we will be bringing our listeners our season one wrap next Saturday, July 24th. So you want to get your thoughts together ahead of time, get them to us. Okay. Also, we're going to be bringing you, giving you uh, a t-shirt. One lucky listener today in the drawing, one more next week in the wrap. And uh, as hopefully all listeners know, we recorded a uh, a podcast about Emmy nominations, which of course impacted uh, the 23 nominations WandaVision received, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier doing all right with four or five nominations. So that should be uh, across most of the pertinent feeds and certainly, of course, always on our pop culture podcast feed where everything that we do ends up. Uh, particularly Pete, as we start to as we start to fade away a little bit from Loki. Got a jam packed podcast for today, as you said. Got one next week, but uh, but then you know, put, putting uh, the God of Mischief on on pause for a little while. What if begins on Wednesday, August eleventh? We have Star Trek Lower Decks beginning uh, right after that on the twelfth. So, Pete, we will be podcasting What If on Saturdays and uh, Lower Decks on Sundays. And I'm looking at the schedule now. It's a whole lot of What If 101, Lower Decks 201, What If 102, Lower Decks 202. So it's going to be interesting to spend a lot of time in animated worlds, upon worlds, uh, but certainly an exciting run ahead of us uh, in both the MCU as well as uh, the Star Trek universe, The, the STU, as some would call it. Last but not least, I have a major scoop in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We are going to do this one on Patreon only. So uh, as we talk in the process of uh, every episode, 
get yourself to patreon.com slash fantastic geek just takes a dollar there certainly you can contribute more but this is going to be a patreon only uh exclusive major major news from the set of one of the upcoming marvel shows and then just bringing things back almost to loki 106 in, in just a few seconds, uh, as we said, of course, we're talking the Loki season wrap next week. Next weekend, we also will be talking about uh, Star Trek Universe at San Diego Comic-Con. Marvel skipping it entirely, so no news expected there. What between uh, we are high on the prospects of Marvel news at New York Comic-Con. There's also D23 at Orlando in November, if that ends up happening. Delta variant. Um, but uh, the week after that, the last weekend in July, we will be doing a proper preview for Ms. Marvel. Uh, Pete, assuming other things don't interrupt the Ms. Marvel timeline. I'll just leave that at that. Let's look into the glorious purpose of this episode off the title card here with the song that Peggy and Steve danced to at the end of Avengers Endgame. Clearly audible. We get dialogue from every character visible in the title card, beginning with the sound effect of Iron Man's repulsor blast and the new Captain America. Pete, some people legitimately have called this the best version of the Marvel Studios logo. I do like that we get a review of the MCU, whether this is meant to be a new semi-permanent sound edit, or maybe it's just uh, to say goodbye to how things have been, you know, what with the multiverse uh, unleashed and its impact unknown at the end of the episode. However, Pete, did you catch that at the end of the logo, everything in the word Marvel explodes? I did not. It's a subtle thing. It took a couple views for me to notice it. In fact, weirdly, I saw it on Instagram. Uh, I didn't steal it from anybody. I just saw the the thing. Oh, this is so fantastic. I'm like, they all just exploded there. So, um, I, again, is that metaphor? Is that just explosions are fun? Welcome <laughs> to Marvel. Um, I, I think the jury is out given that, given that the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the lone universe in a certain sense, exploded at the end of this episode, again, off screen. And again, that explosive news that I'm going to be giving you on Patreon. Uh, so I think it it did not really sink in with me until a couple watches in here that each piece of dialogue is linked to the character that, that pops up. Um, can't help but, you know, feel sad to hear Chadwick Boseman's Wakanda forever. Um, interesting choice with Natasha. Let me put you on hold from Avengers. Uh, we go through all the various characters um, until we have a son where we pull out from the dialogue of a man that we think of time as a one way motion then we, of course, have Neil Armstrong's dialogue, Greta Thunberg, Matt, interesting choice there. Uh, as the Big Bang happens, we have uh, Malala Yousafzai speaking about her dream, Nelson Mandela. All these characters have now become 
Marvel Cinematic Universe canon. Um, then we have classic Loki with the glorious purpose. It's uh, listed as woman saying it, but I'm fairly sure it's Michelle Obama talking about uh, motivating women throughout the world. And then uh, the, the choices are impeccable here that we turn to an Emmy nominated actor uh, from a Marvel Studios Disney Plus show with the classic line now, Vision speaking, what is grief if not love persevering? And then Maya Angelou and then Sylvie telling Loki and now us here by extension to open our eyes. And the stream here brings us to a rocky satellite with a hole in it where Loki and Sylvie have stepped through and take us to the Loki title card. Yes, the Loki title card. The images are the same from past weeks, at least. I'm pretty sure I must confess I have not done a frame-by-frame frame comparison, but the presentation, the music here, mysterious and haunting. After it, Loki and Sylvie stand before the, the front door, debating whether they should knock or not. Uh, she would like Loki to speak his mind. Uh, after a pause, Sylvie says she needs a further moment. She's been waiting for this her entire life. They enter, and the doors give a spooky thunk behind them. I mean, some real Haunted Mansion stuff here. Miss Minutes appears uh, with some really nice, subtle, maniacal animation additions. We see it here. We see it in Miss Minutes' next scene as well. Um, just just some, some, some danger in those animated eyes. She identifies uh, the fact that Loki and Sylvie are at the Citadel at the end of time. He's impressed. Who's he? He is he who remains, who created all and controls all. Uh, we are told Pete in an episode that, shall we say, has some exposition to it. In fact, I ran a timer on my uh, on my phone. Um, scenes with he who remains where things are explained. It is 22 minutes of the episode. There's also a fight in there. But a um, lot of explaining here because as it turns out, Pete, you were right last week. I was wrong. They're not setting up the end of the season. Hello, it's Marvel. They're setting up the beginning of the next chapter here. Um, we're told that there's a deal in the offing. Y'all can be reinstated in the timeline, and y'all can live the lives you always wanted. Loki can win the Battle of New York, even kill Thanos. How about get the Infinity Gauntlet? Great animation here as Miss Minutes holds up her hand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and get the Throne of Asgard. How'd Sylvie like to wake up to a lifetime of happy memories? They could even be together on the timeline. It can work all of it so quite a deal being offered here deal with the devil question mark is debated later on tara strong and the phenomenal intonation of her voice here he who remains just cannot be overlooked over listened um though they're told he can make it work sylvie says that this is fiction uh, Loki says that they write their own destiny now. And Miss Minutes tells them good luck with that as she disappears. Back at the TVA as a tempad is downloading files. Uh, Renslayer notices the ring left on the coffee table by Mobius sullenly. And then Miss Minutes pops back up there. 
that she's been uh, working things out. These files, however, that uh, Renslayer's been given are not the ones she's asked for, but he thinks they will be more useful. Who? Happy reading. Pete, it's almost as if they want us to spend the off-season theorizing here. They're, they're not even waiting until Mr. Worf fire. They're, they're just right up front in the second scene here saying, sharpen your pencils, you have some figuring out to do. Um, it is, of course, interesting. This is, I think we can infer, this is chronologically, chronologically according to Ms. Minutes, this is right after the previous scene. So, again, in an episode where... It's like a 40-minute episode, and probably 32 of it, if not more, uh, take place entirely in the Citadel. 22 of it is sitting around uh, getting explanations and wonderful acting and so forth. These jumps back to the TVA are, I think, critical to help just break things up. Not that it, not that the episode would necessarily suffer, but I think that it's a legit writing room, editing room concern to say we need to just break things up here a little bit by going back and forth with other characters. Um, but back we go to Loki and Sylvie entering what I will call the outer chamber. There's one statue knocked down. Loki does the old uh, white glove dust test, sands the white glove. Um, a door opens, not to the in, uh, inner chamber, but rather it's another elevator. Um, we see uh, He Who Remains holding an apple, nay, eating the apple. Pete, I've seen enough cinema sins to know that there's the trope, uh, a-holes eat the apple on screen. Pete, that's an early suggestion that this is not a friendly person, not a nice person. Uh, maybe to the point that screenwriters want to stop having baddies eat apples on screen. Um, he who remains is energetic and jittery and also oddly humble. He invites them into the elevator so that they can talk in his office. He's not what they were expecting. Jonathan Majors here, cast for Ant-Man, uh, Quantumania, all the way back in September, but showing up here first in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as he who remains. In fact, and... Pete, if I, just an update, I believe from yesterday, uh, Kate Heron did an interview, Variety, Deadline, one of those, uh, where she said that they, that in the process of casting him for this, she was brought into meetings with Kevin Feige and Peyton Reed. Um, they had, I don't know whether they had officially offered, how about this way? No, I, I stand corrected. They had officially offered Jonathan Majors, He Who Remains, then there was the offer to have him be in Quantumania, then that impacted changes slightly into making He Who Remains uh, a, a Kang variant. So Loki got him first, and uh, Kate Heron, who previously said, oh, I'm not going to get this directing job for for Loki, I don't have enough experience. There she is with the big wigs helping chart out at least this little thread in the obviously the massive the massive shift in the MCU that that is occurring as we speak. The next Thanos here, phase four, big big stuff. Uh so up the elevator they go here where Sylvie takes a couple shots at him, of course misses because he knows it's all coming. Um, 
and they get to his office where he opens the door, uh, having disappeared out of the elevator. He pours the Loki's tea, gives him a seat, and I love the affectation by Sylvie and Loki here sitting down with their swords drawn at the ready. I like, too, the little line here. You know, it, he's pouring the tea. Loki and Loki. Um, we go back to Renslayer's office. Knock, knock. It's Mobius. She's not surprised that he, of all people, made it back. Uh, no, no, he's not there to prune her. He has higher standards. Uh, she, however, is still set on the mission, uh, dedicated to the mission, despite the fact that the dogma around it clearly has uh, crumbled. She calls for a hunter. Mobius says that that won't work, and he takes out a click pen. With that, we cut to Ohio 2018. Pete, number of times prior to last weekend that the MCU went to Ohio? I think zero. Number of times? Uh, No, you're totally wrong. (laughs) How many times have there been stuff in Ohio? Oh, 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 2018. I thought you meant uh, that they went to the year. Yeah, no, just in terms of our our viewing, Ohio was not on the MCU list uh, prior to Black Widow. Now we're getting Ohio in early, se- you know, in beginning scenes. We're getting Ohio in Secret Val scenes. We're getting Ohio 2018 now here, uh, where Hunter B-15 is on the run. She enters uh, a- an office. We appear to be in a school. Uh, a Minuteman follows her into the office um, where... Rebecca enters. Wait, Judge Renslayer? No, uh, clearly, you know, revealed uh, not just f- by way of B fifteen, but this is how they're sharing with the Minutemen. Look, Renslayer is a variant, and as B fifteen notes, they have a lot to talk about. Yes, the clearly visible diploma behind the desk, the Ohio State University of Rebecca Torminet. Uh, so. They're going to expose her as a variant back in the office of He Who Remains here. The discussion about Sylvie's painful journey, uh, Loki's flea on the back of a dragon ride, um, and all that they've been through before a couple more swings and misses by Sylvie. Uh, indeed, and uh, he who remains uh, says that he can't be killed because he knows uh, what's going on, what will happen. Indeed, he's printed out all the dialogue. Loki calls this a parlor trick, but he who remains uh, nonetheless somehow has everything loaded up on his tempad. That's because he's seen it all. He's seen their time on Lamentus. Uh, and you know, Jonathan Majors here with the great dialogue delivery talking about the little look on the lake. Um, just, yeah, I, on a certain level, I feel bad. I feel bad for how Jonathan uh, Majors must have felt being told, oh, you're going to be this Marvel bad guy in this show. You know, maybe it'll lead to more work or, or whatever the exact mindset was. All right, here's the script. And you go, oh, he sits at the desk for 20 minutes and talks. Okay, this is not exactly wire work. We're not exactly like, you know, and today shall be your Independence Day kind of like moment. It's a whole lot of talking. Um, But he's making the most of it here. Great 
uh, line of dialogue as well. Every step that Loki and Sylvie took was on a road paved by him. Pete, that's what they call a uh, a consistent internal metaphor. You had a great point off mic that, you know, he has this first appearance. Obviously, we're going to see him again. The news public first that he's cast in ant-man 3 and now that that's not the way it happened it was the other way around but that he's gonna get all these different i mean we assume several but at least two uh swings at this role here and it and happens in a minute where he says the optimal word here conqueror and gives it his british inflection but you talked about how you know you you play this one and there's a lot of uh takes that this was kind of wonka-esque that he's looking for the successor uh that he's playing it slightly manic um but you know he can do king lear down the road yeah if if the Kangs that are coming are that much worse and you know that as a performer, then don't blow it here as, you know, like, you know, every actor should view every scene as the most important scene and every actor should view their character as the star of their own story, even if it's not the star of the Loki show, whatever it might be. But with the knowledge that you have more Kangs coming, this is not the place for Jonathan Majors to bring up in his acting uh ability the greatest villain ever you know that needs to be saved for later on so we can look back and go he who remains clearly had gone nutty at the end of time and had gone nutty in isolation and so forth uh trying to do what he thought was right wait until you see the wrong one wait until you see the the bad kang not just the one that's done the bad that we've seen or that we've inferred thus far so i think a very um a very informed performance here. All the writer's room writing is on the wall. They can't get to where they need to be before they're changed by the journey. They need to get into the right mindset to finish the quest. But Sylvie is set that this is all manipulation. Uh, Sylvie, can she trust Loki? Uh, is she capable of trust at all and we're given a moment to ponder that as we go back to mobius and renslayer at the tva indeed renslayer wondering uh, again if the tva was a necessary lie mobius notes that the uh, the void is a horror that isn't worth it there's some debate here about free will uh she's okay with only he who remains having free will which is quite a statement um, they declare uh, each other has betrayed, you know, each has betrayed each other. Uh, and Mobius uh, again lands on that need for free will. She opens a time door uh, and is going uh, to where she needs to go. Mobius tries to buzz baton her and gets uh, the baton promptly taken away. But no, no, she won't prune him. Uh, she takes her bag in search of free will and steps away, uh, presumably Pete, into season two unless i don't know uh, this is genuinely i don't know you know do we see her in what if next month do we see her in ms marvel in hawkeye in moon knight in uh you know in in uh shang chi eternal like it's 
the explosion at the end of this episode, which is again, you know, it's, it, it's to a credit, it's to the credit of the storytellers that they somewhat underplay it. Like they don't show, you know, it's not the dusting, but right. everything is now up for grabs. It is at the office. Um, he who remains explains that he understands their objection to the TVA, uh, that he's even afraid of himself. He's had many names, a ruler, a conqueror, he who remains a jerk. And then we get the, uh, I call this the man of steel exposition, given that we have the little thing come off of his uh, watch like device and take us through what could be the dryness of here's what you have to know, but with the animation literally coming alive there, helping us to follow along the showing rather than just the telling. Yeah. It's, it, it's very useful. Uh, I'll say obvious. I don't mean that as a, as anything disrespectful to uh, to the production. I, I think it's what you need to do if you're going to be like, all right, now we need to give all this backstory and we're not going to actually go shoot it, but you, go make on computer. Um, we're told that, uh, that a version of himself had discovered multiverses all the way back in the 31st century, which part of this episode is like, wait, we're there he's at the end of time so his past is still our future got it uh, other versions learned the same thing contact was made and there was peace for a time knowledge was shared however pause for him to eat the apple the way a-holes eat an apple on tv and film uh some versions were not pure of heart some of us he says so does that make himself one of the not pure of heart ones um uh, saw the new realities as new places to conquer. All-out war was fought to protect their universes. On the Timekeeper, then the Timekeepers came, he's asked, you know, wonderful moment where he declares, Amen, and the music is supporting the Amen there. I, I really had to wonder, did he happen to wander into, or I guess the other way to put it is, did Natalie Holt, the composer write music for the entire scene in the key of the Amen. Did they have to auto-tune his Amen ever so slightly to suit her key? Um, these are good problems to have because it's just a delicious moment. But he says that part wasn't true. Uh, the timekeepers are our construction. The first variant discovered Eliath and weaponized it. Now, Pete, a lot of time is spent here with Jonathan Majors. Off screen, he says, I harnessed it. And I wonder. Then it's back to him in a close-up. I wondered if maybe that line was added later on because now I'm a bit confused. And I'm not saying bad show. I'm saying he he who remains is a confusing person. Is he one of the us who's a baddie who is different than the person who uh, who first discovered this, or is he the first one to discover it? I think that the show is trying to have it both ways and I will give total benefit to the show to say he's trying to blow their minds. He does not need to be giving the truth of the capital T to we, the audience, let alone to Loki and Sylvie. But um, bottom line, his plan was to manage the timelines, hence the TVA, hence Cosmic Harmony, hence you're welcome. Well, two thoughts. One, the dualistic, multiplistic 
nature of variance uh, two or more in one. And then the idea, so Jonathan Majors has fessed up, obviously, since this streamed, began streaming uh, 3 a.m. our time on uh, Wednesday morning that he lied. He was asked if he's in Loki and he lied. And here he is. So was he who remains was was that version of him that plays Jonathan Majors in our reality? Uh, I just don't know. The snake eats its tail. Uh, you, you know, Pete, there are things in the last four or five years that have made me wonder, is this the right reality um, and, and what's going on? But uh, he who remains says, asks rhetorically, you came to kill the devil. This devil has kept you safe. If you think he's evil, then wait until you meet his variants. And that's the gambit. Stifling order or cataclysmic chaos. Um, proof in his mind that the TVA works. Uh, unless, of course, as Sylvie notes, unless you're a liar. So, Pete, take us through that. <laughs> uh, so, there, there are choices here. Why would he give up uh, control? He's tired. He says he's older than he looks, that this is a game for the young and hungry. And the scenario is to find the right person. That person came in, too. It's definitely them. So no more lies. They kill him. And the sacred timeline is exposed to war again. Or they take over the TVA and become benevolent rulers. And uh, Sylvie, you know, having had her life, her existence uh, derailed as a result of his direct intervention, uh, that for him, uh, she feels it's a game, and he tells her it was not personal. Again, it is reiterated here. Um either multiversal war or running the TVA. That's the choice. Um, I think, too, in part of this portion of the speech when he's calling Sylvia a murderer and hypocrite, I think the camera has rightfully been on him so long that I think that within those lines of dialogue, I think they unnecessarily cut to Sylvie for two reaction shots. Uh, it's probably serving the larger scene, if only to just keep the audience invested in the fact that there's two other people in this scene uh, other than he who remains at this point there's a whirring sound either it's in their scene uh, or it's a sound effect meant to communicate to us what is about to be explained either way I kind of like that it. it's it's somewhat deliciously uh, vague there uh, he who remains kind of ponders the moment feels the moment and explains they've crossed the threshold uh, now he doesn't know what's going to happen uh, next um, not past this certain point that has passed. Uh, in an exterior shot, we see, presumably, branches starting to diverge. Um, back in the room we go, because again, I think part of, the, part of the, the glorious struggle of this episode is they have all this great office stuff, but they need to cut away from it now and then just to keep things um, from, you know, to prevent things from being monotonous. Um, he who remains says that he doesn't know what happens next and Loki wonders if that's it um, that he who remains will sit there and let them decide their fate um, 
we're told again it's either kill him you know if you do kill him there's another multiversal war um so truth or a lie at this point he takes off his tempad wrist thing and considers it he loves all the honesty it's a fresh start or at least it feels that way uh loki stops sylvie uh from stabbing him at this point he wants to talk about it but they wind up fighting it's a great line out of sophia DiMartino here that uh he who remains uh has loki convinced a bazillion boogeymen will show up if they give people free will so he is a liar and so is loki but loki doesn't think that he's lying and he who remains tells them they need to hurry because of the branching uh and back we go to the discussion of loki wanting a throne yes he's he's uh quick to tell her that it's not about that um he he wants her to pause to think he what does he want he doesn't want to hurt her nor does he want the throne he just he just wants her to be okay he cries she cries they kiss the music is triumphant uh, I love the inclusion of he who remains kind of in, in the background of the scene, watching it unfold. He is us enjoying it. But after we have the triumphant pause, Sylvie says she's not Loki. She pushes him through a time door, having used the tempad wrist thing. Uh, Pete, I wish there was a word to say a time telling device that you put on your wrist. I don't know. Um, he who remains calls it incredible. He giggles in his seat. But no, no, he won't beg for his life. Uh, he could, but instead he gets stabbed. Uh, then he adds as he dies, I'll see you soon. He chuckles. And of course, Pete, there's no blood because blood does not exist in this or any other magic kingdom. There's a wink as well, which is almost undersold. The somber music here, Sylvie crying. We see more branching through the window. Uh, pointed out here on Twitter, it looks like a nervous system. I wonder what Dr. Stephen Strange might be able to do with that. Uh, we have beeping at the TVA. Mobius says to B-15, there's no turning back now. Who said anything about turning back for all time? Always. Meanwhile, Loki sadly considers the state of things uh, with this quiet to him. Uh, then he runs off through the busy halls of the TVA, uh, past some Minutemen who one can assume on first view are too busy to say, hey, it's that Loki. Of course, we'll find out. They might not know who he is. Um, the clock in one of the main, uh, the main areas there shows many times, and Casey maybe runs by as a Minuteman. It sounded like him. Uh, Eugene Cordero was credited for the episode. Yes. Um, so, uh, Pete, that must have been real fun. Hey, you're on the call sheet to be an extra, you know, uh, or heck, maybe it's not even him. Maybe he just did the dialogue. At, at any rate, we'll keep that, that one pinned for next summer. Casey, the Minuteman. Loki runs through the library looking around. Uh, then he sees Mobius and Hunter B-15. Uh, they're wondering, should they let everything branch? Does he want that? 
Loki tells them that uh, that he found him. He planned everything. Of course, referring to he who remains. He's terrifying. Someone is coming. Countless versions. Then, Pete, we get this Twilight Zone twist here. But wait, says Mobius. Who are you? What's your name? They don't know Loki. Again, who are you? Uh, Pete, who does Loki then see? Looks out there. Very Planet of the Apes at the uh, now replaced timekeeper statue with the classic visage of Kang the Conqueror from the comics to take us into the credits and then a post credit scene kind of sorta I mean Pete in the same spirit the deadline called the statue of you know the guy that we just spent 25 minutes with Jonathan Majors whatever name he might be in deadline called that an Easter egg uh, as though it was not the focus of that entire little scene in the TVA um, not an Easter egg when the camera squarely show when a character through acting not through words says what is that over there and the music says oh it is terrible just you wait and then the camera squarely shows us a statue of Jonathan Majors, who you might recognize from such scenes as earlier in this episode, and then does a smash cut to black and the credits in order to say emotional impact. Um, But here, Pete, whether you want to call it a scene or whatever, uh, we get the Loki file reopened, the stamp, Loki will return in season two. Pete, do you remember when MCU things used to do that towards the end when they would say Ant-Man and the Wasp will return? period question mark and everyone said oh oh you keep breaking my heart and all of that um but that pete is truly the end i know because i watched all the way to the german dubbing and then i said okay we are safe the end for now hey oh wow 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 oh man i feel like wow What theories will make you say, wow, Pete, here's the first one I want to ask you. Is this Kang a future Kang? Is is a Kang in the MCU going to be a descendant of Reed Richards? Have we been introduced indirectly to the Fantastic Four in this episode? Again, I I think hashtag it's all connected. Um, But... I mean, yes, there's the Fantastic Four link. There's the Ant-Man link. You mentioned the other uh, spots that Renslayer could land into. And, you know, certainly by that extension, because Renslayer and Kang are connected in the comics. Is that a Spider-Man No Way Home situation? Um, is that a Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness situation? I mean, this is all opened up now. I'll add too. Um, I think I think sometimes people who keep an eye towards the comic stuff or know the comics history or have done a deep dive on YouTube, Wikipedia, whatever. I think we all need to remember what we are seeing in the MCU is is an adaptation. Uh, in the last couple days, the guy who played Big Giant Russian 
in the prison in Black Widow said, at last the truth can be revealed. I am playing Ursa Major. Uh, I am the first mutant in the MCU because Ursa or Ursa Major, whatever his name is, uh, is a mutant in the comics. Uh, and he revealed this on Instagram. And I think most fans were like, uh, his uh, most fans, I think rightly were like, his name in the script might be Ursa. He might be based on this X-Men character. Uh, you aren't the first, you don't get to get the title of first mutant just because there's a version of the character in the comics. Who's a mutant. Same thing here. Yes. There's a Kang who's a descendant of Reed Richards in the comics. Does that need to be the case here? Does any of this stuff need to be the case? Not when you hear Kate Heron say, um, uh, that, uh, that he who remains was a different character until, uh, what am I trying to say? Until, uh, Quantumania officially made him Kang in that movie. Then he who remains as a Kang variant was backtracked into the script. Like all of that is as part of the adaptation process, not as, not as part of the, you know, Stan giveth us from the mountain and we we slavishly copy. But Pete, next one here. What did He Who Remains download to Renslayer's Tempad? Her her next uh work that she winds up in. <laughs> the, the the secret uh uh destination of uh season two or uh which of these movies she's gonna show up in, which of these TV shows. I mean, it it's whatever you want it to be right now and until we see the actress again. <laughs> Sub question, can I then in my headcanon, uh, since Gugu and Batha Raw appears in uh, the morning show, um, well, I won't say anything more than that, but since she appears in the morning show, can I retroactively consider the morning show to be its own bubble universe as part of the overall MCU? C- can I, can I have that in my heart, even though it's highly unlikely? So hang on, because Matt, with this multiverse and now the advent of a second multiversal war and phase four, okay, we have nearly officially arrived at Patton Oswalt's speech from Parks and Rec. In that... Where did he who remains, who may also be the character Immortus, when did he come from? Um, he came from, well, depending on versions of his speech, I, I shouldn't say versions, depending on some facts from his speech, he came from the 31st, 31st century. Okay. Although there are, there are portions of that speech that are not internally consistent. Okay, so, you know, we're a transaction away from 31st century there, Star Trek Discovery. Matt, I didn't know that hashtag it's all connected was going to connect everything that Fantastic Geek does. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I know that there are some of these IDW comics where it's like Star Trek meets the X-Men and things like that. So, um, sure, it's possible. I mean, I, let me this way. I mean, Matt Shackman just got a Star Trek movie. <laughs> what if it's Star Trek versus the X-Men? <laughs> um, uh, let me do this way. A bit, more, a bit more seriously, although probably equally improbable, 
if you are, and Pete, I should say, I'm coming off of my daughter having watched um, the new Space Jam movie uh, yesterday, which she was enjoying it for all its cartoon value, and my wife spent the basketball scenes going, look, there's Penny, like, my wife could not pay attention to the action on the court with the characters you're supposed to care about because she was like, look, there's Pennywise. Look, there's the mask. Look, there's the Night King. Uh, and so forth, which was just bizarre to watch since I wasn't watching the movie either, in, in either capacity. But, Pete, if DC gets the phone call, hey, it's Kevin Feige, listen, how about Henry Cavill for three seconds in Multiverse of Madness? Does DC go for it? Hey, um, uh, uh, what? Uh, Disney owns Aliens now. Hey, we want to get, uh, we want to get Ripley in a half a second. Like all of these things are theoretically possible. Again, if you're DC, you probably go, ah, uh, nope, we're not. This is not. Nope, this would make us look desperate and so forth. But to your point, Pete, when we reach full madness of the multiverse whether it is uh in no way home or dr strange in the multiverse of madness i know we've all kicked around the juicy theory i don't think it's even elevated to rumor status yet but like the the the, the juicy theory you know ooh, tom cruise cameo as tony stark or you know does ed norton return as the hulk for a couple lines of dialogue you know those are all within the realm of possibility can we dream to the near impossible sure I say, uh, yabba dabba do. The Flintstones could appear in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. Who knows? All the acquisitions they've made, and all the entertainment that's come before, via what's happened here, is now possible as other realities. So, like, all right, does Hugh Jackman? step through the door at some point with the Deadpool and Patrick Stewart and all these other things, you know, are we going to get the 20th century Fox Magnetos? Um, I mean, the, the ability to do this, I mean, there was an article out this week that uh, Kevin Feige had a meeting recently about, the rules of the multiverse. I find that hard to believe given that they have entertainment that's come out and is very soon to come out dealing with the multiverse. So I'm pretty sure that those rules were ironed out long ago. You have to remember, I mean, when was the Fox acquisition 2018, maybe finalized 2019, somewhere in there. Yeah. So, I mean, again, you, you would pick and choose and you would fan cast, et, et cetera, et cetera. But where it all goes, and it's interesting that in the last 10 days, we've finally gotten a date on what if, and yes, it's animated. Um, it, it counts, and it's multiverse. So there's going to be a multiverse where, you know, Captain America is a zombie. And, you know, uh, T'Challa becomes Star-Lord. To what extent will that count? I mean, what I think we don't want to open and what people, you know, vapor lock a little too hard on is this idea of what's 
canon and what's not. Um, but the the possibilities with every choice, every branch on a timeline just continue to, uh, you know, broaden. I certainly, I mean, I think that, I think that when it comes to, when it comes to Marvel Studios, and notice I'm not necessarily saying the MCU, I'm making a slight distinction here. When it comes to Marvel Studios, the answer for canon would be everything that Marvel Studios has made is uh, is canon. Now, could there be continuity errors or things that they want to backtrack on, i.e. the Mandarin and things like that? Sure. But, Eight years later. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the fact that uh, Tony Stark has a goatee is not up for debate. It's been in, it, it, you know, things like that and so forth. When it comes to what if... I would imagine that part of the Watcher as the narrator, um, the Jeffrey Wright character, I would imagine that I would imagine that it's going to be made clear to us in the audience that while what we are seeing exists out there in the multiverse, it's not necessarily like like I think it's going to be made very clear to anybody coming off of Loki that what if is not that uh, zombie Captain America and Captain Carter both now exist in the main um in the main timeline i think it's going to be a true what if and and that as for the things moving after that ms marvel hawkeye are both done filming um nothing after that on the show end uh is done filming i mean pete maybe the multiverse meeting was made for the people behind moon knight she hulk and that's it that's filming right now uh, and then for pre-production for secret invasion and beyond but i don't know there's so many question marks coming off of look there, this was an emotionally powerful end but you know what was the effect that we saw we saw very little effect um and that's clearly by design because Again, as I said, I don't think What If is meant to give us answers. It's going to just show us different versions of the multiverse. Uh, I I know Shang-Chi comes out in September. I don't know when Ms. Marvel comes out. I don't know when Hawkeye comes out. I don't know where this story picks up, and that's a great itch to have. Will the multiverse be used to recast T'Challa? I would say no way, no how. Um... I don't know how Black Panther that started filming, I believe, last month uh, or maybe this month. I don't know how it makes its delivery date of July 8th, 2020, but that's apparently what they're doing. Um, I think it. I think probably the untimely passing of Chadwick Boseman and script changes probably have led to all right, we are really locked in for the story changes and we can shoot what we need to shoot. We can get special effects worked on ahead of time and on and on. Um, I think that the next Black Panther is somebody who uh, was already in the first Black Panther movie. I think it's a familiar face. Sylvie tells Loki that she was pruned before he even existed. I think a slip in the script. I mean, she was arrested by the TVA. Pruning is what happens when you get hit with the baton and sent to the void, right? Um, she was taken from her timeline. The timeline was pruned. They left a little time bomb there. 
and she was then reset though. They, they yeah. Uh, reset let me this way. Reset. I would, I would agree. How about this way? Our modest human understanding of the word pruned, the way it's been used for five episodes is pruning is when you get buzzed and sent to the void. If Sylvie is expanding that definition to say, it's not, it's not when they chop the tree down, it's, Pruning is happening when that tree service truck pulls up and guys start to get out and lay out their chainsaws because changes are being made. Um, The change of Sylvie being removed from the timeline and her timeline being reset. If you want to call that pruning, I would agree, Pete, it's not the best word uh, for what we have seen for the preceding five episodes. But if you want to say, oh, well, that's what she meant by pruning. Okay, fine. There are four statues in the Citadel at the end of time. Three are the timekeepers. There is one that has crumbled. Fourth timekeeper, Kang, he who remains, Kevin Feige. Who is it? Who was it? (laughs) Let's go with Kevin Feige. I had... I had only noted three statues total, including the crumbled one. I don't doubt your your numerology there, Pete. Um, I, let's go for the different options. If it's a mistake and they meant three and had four instead, um, okay, they get to say, ooh, mysterious end of time. If it's a big setup for something in the future, uh, a la, oh man, people didn't like the ending of Iron Man 3, so on the DVD for something... Let's change that slightly. I don't know. Maybe we do a better Mandarin at some point. Um, And eight years from now you go, and the fourth statue was, you know, uh, I don't know, Dick Van Dyke all along. Okay, (laughs) fine. There's enough flexibility there to be a mistake covered in mystery or an on purpose covered in down the road payoff. The assumption is that it's Miss Minutes that still calls him he who remains but is it actually renslayer is renslayer miss minutes or is is renslayer who is she the one who calls him he who remains um i think that's part of the fascinating mystery here again an episode that was largely straightforward in the office uh discussion um and again i don't want to complain it was not too talky but i think that there's a lot of there's a lot where you go okay i might not understand multiverse theory and advanced particle physics and whatnot but this story has me like got it uh tva is the plug in the dam and that might be terrible, but without it, now there's a worse guy coming. And, oh, I talked to somebody because there's quantum mania. Oh, man, he's the new big bad, and he got introduced in a talky talk episode. Got it. There's a lot that you understand there. The multiverse is now out there. It's now free. Okay, I understand that. A lot of what Renslayer know, knew, what she knows now, how complicit she is, um, these are all, I think, questions that... I can't answer right now because there's a you know there's a lack of evidence. Again, does a live action or animated Renslayer show up, you know, Pete theoretically it could be on August 11th. It could be that soon. Uh, who knows? I mean, fine, what if it's animated? Does that mean that there's not a live action 
um, post credit scene in the first episode, let alone by the last episode, which is October 13th. I don't think anybody would rule it out. Could we get, again, could we get payoff then? Do we get it in September? Do we get it in uh, November with Eternals? Like, it, it, it's weird because after Endgame, it was like, okay, some characters are off the board. Goodbye, Chris Evans. Goodbye, RDJ. Um, what's next? Well, it's going to take years and years to for us to build to that level of complexity. Nope. Even with a COVID pause, here we are where everything's blown wide open, more wide open than ever before. You know, so all the more reason where Renslayer could show up anywhere. Pete, if she shows up in Star Trek Lower Decks, that's when I'll start to question my perception of reality. What exactly is her secret that she was this uh, principal or vice principal of Franklin D. Roosevelt High School in Fremont, Ohio in 2018, that she was plucked from that and then became Judge Renslayer, or did we see it out of order? Was she sent back there? Um, I think that Rebecca's big secret... Well, what's the last name of the principal character? Torminette. I think Rebecca Torminette's big secret, Pete, is that she gave up on meaningful impact with kids and moved to administration. Uh, however, how she's used in this episode, I, I here's how I read it. We were seeing, uh, re- we were seeing the MCU's version of Rebecca, um, which was indisputable proof to the Minuteman and presumably by, by, by implication, since time is a fluid thing for TVA people, Tens, scores, hundreds, thousands of Minutemen who may have been brought to see Rebecca to have this indisputable proof. Oh, wait. Well, if Judge Renslayer is a variant, then now I'm going to listen to B-15 share other theories because it's a theory built on the proof I just saw. Um, As to your question, does Renslayer uh, go back to be that person are we seeing is ohio 2008 chronologically later 2018 2018 is that is that chronologically later than season one of loki if you will i would say no that's not how that's not how it was used here now of course could that be retconned in yes do i think that we're going to see a deadline article in the next 14 months where they say the plan all along was that renslayer went back to 2000 14 and worked her way up to principal in 2018 i would say i don't think that's going to happen could it sure what else happened in 2018 in the marvel cinematic universe well it may or may not have been 10 years after something else um joking aside pete let's see let me let me check here that was end game right no when when what you tell me pete what happened in 2018 in the mcu the infinity war okay so i was off by one movie the The snap pete the whole the 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 whole the whole year off movie wise for covid threw me for a loop there was my own it was my own time portal so well then i guess question to follow up your question is what we are seeing pre-snap or post-snap and does it a, does it make any difference? B, 
Well, of course, it should make some kind of difference because somebody chose 2018 and they wouldn't arbitrarily choose a date that's wrong. Wait, except for the time that they did and they said it was eight years later or ten years later and the date was wrong and Kevin Feige said, oops, we just messed up. Uh, Why they haven't... School was awful empty aside from Minutemen and uh, Rebecca Tormanette. I mean, you, you could have it both ways. I guess the thing that my mind goes to given her connection to Kang does she get dusted is the mucking with the timelines some way to try to bring her back from that you've you've got to do something to to illustrate that Kang is indubitably more powerful than Thanos beyond hey I'm going to give you the power to kill Thanos because time you will get the infinity gauntlet these infinity stones you know people were upset you made them a joke and their paperweights in a in a drawer that you know TVA agents and analysts have but you, okay understand how storytelling works that you need to make the threats that came before um, you know, you need to diminish them so that the next ones seem worse. And if we're ultimately after a Kang going to get to like a silver surfer and Galactus and, you know, things that are nearly beyond comprehension, um, we've got to provide motivation and at the same time illustrate that power. And I think that what you're arguing for is a consistent, um, there's a consistent through line there. I mean, it, it, Pete, six, eight months ago, prior to WandaVision coming out is my point, would we have thought, I mean, look, I know that we know Elizabeth, we knew at the time Elizabeth Olsen was going to be in Doctor Strange 2, but like WandaVision as a direct feeder for the next Doctor Strange movie, Falcon the Winter Soldier um as the launch for marvel studios on disney plus even though it ended up not being that way due to covid um but that at this current time as the the direct lead-in to um captain america 4 although that has yet to be completely solidified um maybe that was on our radar maybe we were saying oh they didn't say it was limited so maybe there'll be another season that they're going to announce right away um, who would have thunk there? Loki is a dr- direct lead-in to, I, you know, again, No Way Home or Multiverse of Madness or things sooner. I don't think we would have, I don't think we would have bet that. Um, the Black Widow movie is a quasi-direct lead-in to Hawkeye. Like, there's a, my, my point is this. Things are so connected. I know we say, oh, Jeff Loeb used to say, hashtag it's all connected because he was stealing from the more successful, you know, Marvel live action end in Marvel Studios. Ha ha ha. It's just stunning how connected everything is. Can I get a ruling on this post credit scene? Is it a post credit scene? And two, <laughs> will it change? Like some changes have been made to the post credit scene in WandaVision that seem to just be special effects things and or eventually disappear so regarding the wandavision um 
scene. I'm trying to recall if we had talked about this on a podcast before. Have special effects changes been made in terms of they've changed the trees, the tree layout, and things like that? Yes. There was this ghostly image that was on there, which uh, my pal and yours, Dr. Bob Keeley, pointed out a source. I think the source was New Rockstars, um, which said in the scene, in the moment of Wanda on the porch, there had been the reflection of a light in the shot. Uh, shot. What appeared happened was they did a they did a thing where they drew a lot, drew a circle around it, drew a shape around it, and cut that out. And it looks like they did a lousy job because the cut the the, the cutting out of it is this ghostly image that remains. So it was more it was an error. He not, who remains. Yeah, he he who remains was was um, a special effects guy or gal who didn't properly clean up their work, not. Oh, they've added the ghostly visage of Doctor Strange. Okay, fine. Um, but your point being, separate from that error, they changed the trees and this and that the other. We can assume that's because in Doctor Strange 2, at some point he goes to her house or something, uh, or there's a scene there, and for whatever reason, the trees are different, the look is slightly different. Okay, fine. Um, could they do the same for Loki will return in Season 2? Um I mean, I would say no, assuming the season gets made. Hopefully no tragedy befalls and prevents it from from being made. Um, So I think it will remain there for all time, even when season two comes out, because it's part of the part of the surprise of the episode is, you know, is that as to your question, is it a scene? I would say no, it is a post credit title card. If I'm writing, depending on. Uh, d- depending which audience I would be writing for, whether I'm writing in, you know, a a uh, Hollywood um, journalism uh, pr- production, or whether I'm writing on my personal blog or whatever, one might um, one might call it a scene because the audience might not understand what a title card is, how it's not it's more emphasis on the card than this is the title of the movie. So I get it if some people call it a scene, but beat. We are going to go pinky up here using proper terms for proper things. Uh, it is not a scene. It is a title card at the end announcing that Loki season two uh, is coming. Who else returns with Loki in season two? I mean, I have to imagine Sylvie. I have to imagine Mobius. I have to imagine Casey. Uh, B-15. Um, I don't know if I'm missing anybody from that core bunch there, but I don't see why you don't bring everybody back period, the end, finito. I don't see why... I mean, if you're Marvel, uh, don't you probably have... Don't you have that written in as a possibility for all of these contracts? Now, if wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, oh man, we don't need... uh, Who from WandaVision? WandaVision's going to be limited series. Well, we're bringing back Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. uh, And, you know, whether you have a contract or not for Kat Dennings... You can clearly find a price to bring her back. Uh, Randall Park, same thing. You know, if you're, I mean, Catherine Hahn. How about Catherine Hahn's a good example. Was she maybe given a contract that had an open-ended season two, or like we talked about in the Emmys podcast, you know, and 10, 10 to fifteen more episodes, along with three guest-starring things and two movie appearances, if we want to use that. You know, might she have a broad contract like that as a newcomer? Sure. Pre- can't you do the same with 
Gugu and Batha Raw? Can't you do the same with all these uh, low-key people? Whether your plan is officially, you know, whatever your plans are, I think there's contractual flexibility for everybody to come back as much as Marvel wants them to come back. Time to check the mailbag and see what people thought about this episode. We will start, as always, with our Twitter poll. And Pete, whoever it was a couple weeks ago who said, um, "Hey, you tend, to, hey, Fantastic Geek, you tend to do the four, three, two, one um, thing, and sometimes the one attracts trolls and whatnot." I want you to know, dear listener, I had that in mind when I did not do a four, three, two, or one for this episode. So here were the choices: uh, scream emoji. He doesn't remain. Got 2.8%. Pete, I'm not saying whether that was the lowest or the highest. I'm just That was just one of the choices. Um, next was clock emoji. Hey, y'all. Hopefully I was evoking a scary um, uh, Miss Minutes. Got 12.7%. Kiss emoji. Sealed fate with a kiss. I'll, I'll just add in our podcast, Pete. Ooh la la. Got 19.7%. And then mind blown emoji. What else has changed? Got 60 4.8%. Um, and we also heard from Mimi Adelman. That's at Mimi Adelman. Um, now that I'm uh, in the Kang rabbit hole, any suggestions for what to read and watch to get a background on his slash their various identities? Listening to podcasts and reading uh, post-episode 6, I feel very missed out on a very cool reveal. So, Pete, I will turn that question over to you by way of saying, yes, looking at backgrounds and whatnot is good. I'm always going to be coming back to, don't forget this is an adaptation. So just because in Fantastic Four issue 176 back in 1972, he said, I like oranges, does not mean that Kang always loves oranges in the MCU, that kind of thing. I mean, you can go far back as uh, 1963, the first appearance of what is Kang, uh, although a, a different name. Um, and then by September of 1964, they were calling him Kang. Uh, there's quite a bit to look at. Um, you know, I know a lot of people like using the Comixology uh, app, and you can dial up a lot through there. But I think there's so much there that your point is an excellent one that, you know, the adaptation of it and how they're going to make it their own, remain faithful to where they want to with what came before. I'll just add uh, to the comicsology list, uh, depending Mimi or anyone else, depending on your local library situation i know our our uh, local library um uh here our local library system here uh has electronic resources including hoopla and i'll give the other app in a second which can be a good source for some um digital comics insofar as like you don't need to go on amazon and be like all right let me buy this x-men thing you know which might not be up my up, uh, up my cup of tea point being you can just blast through it you know on hoopla or overdrive if your library supports that um and sit and go okay this is great or oh this is terrible or this isn't what i suggested you know and, and doing it all for free 
Uh, next, Pete, we heard from Steve the Burge. That's at Steve the Burge on Twitter. Uh, episode was a bit of a letdown. Kang is too big a character to drop in and kill without any answers. Great acting. Sitting around a desk. Reminded me of network TV show where they wrap things up and look next season, except they did neither. Compared to the Mando season one finale, C+. Uh, we also heard from Ben Larson. That's at Larson Ben. Um, this was a prime example of one of the many things Marvel is so good at telling a, telling a, telling a good story. I think Ben just meant telling a good story while setting up things to come. We got a satisfying season finale with the pH and at the same time it set up season two and phase four of the MCU as a whole without feeling shoehorned in. Uh, we heard from Mimi again. I loved Loki, but imagine my thoughts as I watched the finale of a series with a character I do not know talking for minutes on end and then having no ending, although I have now informed myself about Kang. Also, Jonathan Majors was great, but I did not know him either. Pete, I would say if we had Kevin Feige here, he would not necessarily be upset with Mimi's take there. I don't. I think that if you're... If you know the deep cuts, and he says, I have many names, including Conqueror, you go, Kang the Conqueror, Kang the Conqueror. If you've mm-hmm. read Hollywood Reporter, you know, oh, he's in Quantumania's Kang. Oh, he's going to be Kang the Conqueror. If you don't know any of that, he's a guy who you should feel enthralled with, uh, even to go back to Ben's point, uh, pardon me, to go back to Steve's point, you should feel a little like, oh, he was so great, then they killed him. Yeah, that's because more more is coming. More explanation, more acting, more Jonathan Majors, and so forth. Uh, we also heard from Noel Gardner. That's at Noel Camille. This episode was fantastic, with a PH. I had to calm down after the little orange animated clock jump scare. I didn't think Marvel would introduce a character like they did in a D-plus show, but here we are. Jonathan Majors knocked it out of the park. I can't wait until the next time we see him. Uh, and in what form? The whole episode had a very Willy Wonka vibe, and the ending made me think of the twist ending of Planet of the Apes, the Mark Ma- Mark Wahlberg one. Please forgive me. Don't worry, Noel. We all, anybody who went to see the Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes <laughs> had the best intentions. Uh, the best intentions, it was not a road paved by Kang, but instead was a road paved by, I think, corporate baloney and not letting... Um, 20th Century Fox, yeah, so there you go. It's, it's in the sandbox now. Uh, that's true. Do we see... <laughs> Pete, I want you on the record right now. Uh, in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, does one of the MCU characters um, uh, interact with Charlton Heston from Planet of the Apes? Either in his <laughs> ape form or in his OG form. Why not? There Doctor, you go. Do, do they make it the Dr. Zayas uh, Simpsons musical? Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh. <laughs> it really is all connected. Oh, Pete, that then... Okay. Do we have do we have live action Dan Castellanella or whatever his name is as Homer Simpson show up in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness or is that an official Jump the Shark moment? I mean, I've not watched Space Jam two yet. I think I may grudgingly, given you know some of the the, the crossovers that have happened there, just to just to see how it goes. I mean, for me, Matt, the only Space Jam that uh Cynique Martin Green stars in the Star Trek Discovery but uh, I'm I'm going to give it a go. Uh but you know it's kind of like the ratcheting up of the game. All right, you guys are, are buying up stuff and want a multiverse. We're going to throw everything we have into this sequel of a basketball 
movie with animated characters. So, I mean, it's it's all on the table till somebody takes it off. Weird from Loki Motion, that's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1. These Disney Marvel shows do not disappoint. Great finale, with a PH. I would have thought there would be more action and less exposition, but given what they needed to do, wrap this season's mystery and set up next season, it makes sense. My brain broke trying to keep it all straight, though. It definitely, ooh, Pete, definitely with a PH in place of the F. It's rare to see the Fantastic Geek PH uh, inside of a word, not with a not with a starting F sound. Um, but it definitely sets up something I really want to see, and it seems to suggest Loki in the next Doctor Strange. I'm really looking forward to this next phase of Marvel and taking that trip with you guys. Pete, um, you know I run spoiler-free, but uh, Loki motion there might be referring to uh, what I would term as rumors that appear to be more than rumors in terms of how it's being reported in Deadline and Hollywood Reporter that Loki is in Doctor Strange 2 coming to hopefully uh, movie theaters in March 2022. I mean, if only they were filming on the same island. <laughs> Next up, we're going to hear from Angelica Erazo. That's at Angelica Erazo underscore. I wasn't sure what could top episode four, but this was it. I was hanging on uh, Major's every word and facial expression. Sylvie broke my heart. It seems like she realized what she did at the end. I wonder what her role will be moving forward. I'm still sad about Mobius for getting Loki. Tear. Uh, I have faith that hashtag real Mobius ooh, is out there trying to figure this out too. And I'm comforted that at least one variant of his is riding a jet ski as we speak. Uh, we also heard from Andre Yeager. That's at Dr. Pole in 1983. Jonathan Majors is going to be a force in phase four and probably beyond. His performance was awesome. And you could tell he really leaned into the performance. He will probably be portraying Kang in various different forms in different movies and shows. I can't wait. Also, Logi, Loki, not Logi. That's a lousy variant. Loki and Sylvie's performances were great also. Questions, where did Renslayer go and what happened in 2018? Season 2 can be a totally different show. Bring it on, Loki. Pete, will we ever see, bridging off of Andre's words there, being a totally different show, will we ever see Loki outside a movie showing Jaws in 1975? I I want to know what happened with that art. Was that just conceptual? Uh, I, I hope we get it. I Maybe that's something that was done... And they shifted it to Doctor Strange. Who knows? Pete, next one up is from Brian S. It's at B-R-Y-A-N-O-E-N-O, which he told me is pronounced uh, like musician Brian Eno. Uh, Was certainly not expecting that big reveal. There wasn't uh, really set up for the Majors character during the season, which lessened the narrative emotion. But they gave him plenty to do in the finale, and the actor killed it. Hashtag Mo Miss Here. Um... Pete, I would agree that we didn't have, like, references to He Who Remains and whatnot, you know, throughout. Was was Kang, was Kang played by Jonathan Majors, was that the hot theory for most of the season? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I think and there... He, he was repeatedly asked about it, and, and he lied about it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, go back and listen <laughs> last week. You know, there were a lot of theories as to what we'd see in the finale. That was one. 
we, I tossed out there, and here we are. Yeah, in fact, I'm I'm glad that in the course of last week's podcast, I disagreed with your take, but then said, but I, I keep getting beat by Spoiler Pete, so here's why it also could be correct. So I, I hedged my bet. And I, Pete, I felt like a, a winner on Wednesday morning. I had Next. an early morning text message from, you know, Matt Lafferty <laughs> that was a GIF to something else Disney owns. <laughs> um Next up from Darren Bell, Darren B4605-2059. Such an awesome finale with a PH. As much as I hoped and thought we would see Kang, I thought Marvel would bottle it and we would end up with a Loki variant behind everything. Very happy with the reveal and I really liked how he was portrayed. Can't wait to see how this affects the MCU. Uh, heard from J Philly B4 Fandom who kicked off a conversation with Bruja Escarlata. That's at, at Modern Priscilla, so here we go. Uh, J Philly B says, I did not know what to expect. Maybe a post-credit scene connecting to Dr. Strange, but this exceeded that. And I'm still speechless. What an amazing performance from majors. What a setup. Uh, when does season two premiere? I would bet next July or June. Uh, where's a temp pad when you need one? Uh, Bruja Escalarda said, I feel like he had to do a lot of heavy lifting and an inordinate amount of exposition, presumably for people that don't follow uh, the comics or read about him. J. Philly B. said, absolutely. Uh, someone who doesn't read the comics, I rely on Fantastic Geeks pods and wiki rabbit holes to learn about the characters. I appreciated the exposition dump and how engaging and entertaining Majors was uh, through what had to be incredibly difficult days of filming. Um, uh, so there's that. We also heard from Kevin, comma, Grogu's Brosif. So Pete, we just have the, the, the Disney's coming together here. That's at Love's Wars on Twitter. Um, I picked the kiss emoji vote because it was that awesome. Another thing that was awesome was Jonathan Majors. Major League knocking it out of the park with that acting. So captivating. I loved his zany enthusiasm. Not what I would expect from PH. A conqueror. I love that curveball. Um, Mike Sorensen had asked, is this the first of the three shows we've gotten to have a confirmed second season? And you had said uh, yes, at least in terms of confirmations. Uh, with three tweets to go, Pete, Spider-Ham Lincoln, uh, I guess who now could also be part of the multiverse. That's at TessLC139. I really loked this episode, but my expectations were too high. Uh, I wasn't left feeling overly satisfied. This series was the ultimate setup for what's to come in Phase 4, and I can't thank Loki, uh, and, I, and I thank Loki for that. My favorite episodes are still 1 and 2, with 5 and a close third. Can't wait for Lang versus Kang. Oh my goodness, Pete, how did I not ding, see that ding, one? Ding, ding, ding. There we go. Uh, Brujar Escalada, Modern Priscilla, replied, My kids have a theory about the Marvel Disney Plus shows. The episodes that open with the traditional MCU theme are great slash awesome. The ones that open with different music or no music are not as great. So far, they've mostly been right. Pete, I would have to go back and do that personal math like for myself. Do I agree with that? Uh. But that now is the, the new... Like Star Trek odd and even movie thing. Like, <laughs> are they Bruja? different universes? There you go. Are they Bru variants? I'm now watching for that. So, a uh, last tweet here, Pete, from Dan that's at Big Dan on Sports. This episode reminded me of Matrix Reloaded when Neo got to meet the architect. Pete, that is so funny because my wife said, I wish that she didn't call him this Kang guy, but you know, that, that he who remains, I wish that he gave a reserve performance like that person neo meets at the end of the second matrix movie so colonel weird sanders that, 
there you go. Um, then you have variant. There, oh, it's all connected. Matrix is Fox. Matrix is I have to, no Warner Brothers. Never mind. Anyhow, uh, that episode reminded me of when Matrix Reloaded, when Neo met the Architect, then chose not to reboot the Matrix. I found a lot of parallels between the crazy world of Loki with all the variants and timelines in the Matrix. If only Sylvia had realized there is no spoon. Pete, I'll add to that. Uh, since the Matrix movies came out, since the Wachowskis uh, made gender changes and so forth, people have gone back to look at the Matrix as perhaps a metaphor for the trans experience. We had some discussion of that in this season of Loki. So just a big, a big, a big beautiful uh, example of human, uh, I don't know, all the possibilities of humanity. Pete, what do you have on your end for feedback? Brooke Warzella writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. I was struck how the Citadel at the end of time appeared to have undergone extensive kintsugi, the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery with gold. That, plus the destroyed statue of a fourth timekeeper and all the other little Easter eggs that I am too marble ignorant to recognize, help to wordlessly paint a picture of a place destroyed and rebuilt for time immemorial. Um, again, I'll just return to. I think that they. I think that the powers that be at Marvel Studios know that they have. You know, if you go back to Captain America, what eighty years of character, what you know, whatever it is, you have so much source material, but this is not made for people to sit and go. Uh, yes, I can flip ahead to the next issue of Fantastic Four and tell you that therefore it will be the ray beam that helps beat the bad guy. It's all in the big pot. It's all in that adaptation process. So don't feel that you're being left behind just because other people are saying, let me tell you about Kang. Um, to be fair, he hasn't even been named that. Okay, fine. In the press, they've said he's Kang for the next Quantumania movie. Could that be a fake out too? Maybe we got that from Star Trek Universe. Oh, I'm not playing this person. I'm playing that. It's all up for grabs. It's Khan. It's, he's playing Khan. <laughs> it's the Kang Khan. Uh, what else do you have there, Pete? Steve Adams writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. I'm confused. I really don't know what to think about the final episode of this season of Loki. I was expecting at least some kind of closure or finality to this story, not a cliffhanger. Does this set up Doctor Strange? There has to be a quick turnaround for season two, even if this does continue in the movies. Will Kang still be a slightly unhinged man as he was here? Or will he be a more menacing presence when he shows up in Ant-Man? What happened to Mobius in B-15? Are they the same people we have seen, or are they variants of themselves? I was really into this episode, but the payoff left too many questions. I'm not unhappy, but I'm not satisfied either. Maybe I just didn't, quote, get it, unquote. I want to see where this goes, but some kind of resolution would have been nice. On another note, congrats to Pete for hitting 12,000 followers i've been listening to you guys since pete ha only had seven thousand followers in the early days of agents of shield thanks for a great podcast until next time stay fantastic with the ph 
Certainly kind words there. Um, I would agree there would have to be fast turnaround. I'm looking at the schedule here. Like, part of part of Disney's embarrassment of riches on the film end, particularly post-COVID, and on the Disney Plus end is, you know, at what point... At what point, you're not going to have two major live-action Marvel shows come out at the same time on Disney Plus, just as you're not going to, you know, do. You know, you're not going to have uh, Doctor Strange and uh, Spider-Man come out in the same month, that kind of thing. When does Loki season two come out? If you already have, let's say for 2022, you have Moon Knight and She-Hulk on the radar, which are filming now. I I, I don't quite know, but these are good problems. Uh, good problems to have, I guess. And now, Matt, we are going to pull our winner for our second of three T-shirts we're giving away. There we go. Got the names in the the cup here. Going for a pull. And Pete, the winner for this second T-shirt is Eric Pritchard. That's at Coach underscore Pritch on Twitter. So I'll be reaching out to you, Coach, uh, to get your info and to get that shirt sent out. So congratulations to you. Uh, certainly our followers on social media can look for Pete. I'm going to set it up as soon as we're done podcasting. We're going to have that, that one more additional, uh, shirt tweet. It'll go out on Wednesday. So you can check our social media for that. And we'll announce that winner in our Loki wrap next season of, uh, next season, next weekend, of course, informed by the, uh, not Disney gallery. What do they call it? Marvel assembled. Yes. Um, or whatever it is that it was Marvel assembled, the clip Marvel's- show. Anyhow. Um, so Pete, I'm looking forward to, uh, bidding this season adieu as fun as it has been for now, though. Uh, just a reminder that everybody who supports us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek makes the magic go around, even the green stuff. And they're going to get the special thing. MCU, uh, ripples throughout that we'll be putting up there, uh, by tomorrow, by Sunday, July 18th. And, of course, share your Loki Season 1 feedback with us uh, ahead of that podcast next weekend. Pete, how can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-12,033. Followers can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter, looking back, lost, do me touch the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. I look forward to looking at this entire season as a whole next week, uh, along with uh, some Star Trek at San Diego Comic-Con at home discussion. There'll be a separate podcast. Uh, For now, though, Pete, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. See you soon.